This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Bringing in Malcolm LaBelle, the founder of the Green Generation Co., as we discuss the latest latest uh, bud biz buzz in the business of cannabis. Malcolm, how are you today? I'm good, Dean. Thank you. How are you doing? I am excellent. Thank you. You can find more information at www.greengencompany.com. And uh, today we're talking, firstly, Melka, about education uh, when it comes to uh, marketing anything, but particularly cannabis. Yes, this is um, a topic that is almost like a no man's land, I believe, in in the Canadian cannabis space for sure. One that has a lot of people um, not really doing, (laughs) Uh, at least (laughs) not doing it uh, uh, well. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Um, Yeah, and it's, it's, you know what? It's it's because um, it has to do with, I believe, that um, people that that have a business think that, you know, marketing includes, marketing is selling. Um, and that is true. But a key part of whenever you have a new product or something that's different, you have to educate people on that. And so, yes, a part of marketing is education, but um, it's, it's tripping people up because the cannabis laws in Canada, the Cannabis Act was written where really promoting and marketing is a, a, is a giant uh, no, no-go. Uh, it's not allowed in a lot of ways and uh, navigating how to educate but make it not be marketing is the challenge of uh, that we're currently seeing right now. Yeah, it's um, it's it's tough for uh, cannabis brands, um, I guess, to uh, to differentiate between the two, because. Um, you, you do not want to really test the waters. First of all, um, the, the regulations are very, very strict in what you can do. And the penalties are very steep if you could go beyond those regulations. So it's a very tricky spot for, uh, cannabis, anybody really in the, the cannabis, uh, license producing or retail market. It is. And, um, and I think that, you know, one of the things that you sort of have to do is is going back to that marketing 101 um, is that just because you're you're giving information about your product, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be from the company that you're educating on the on the base level. And this is what I think is the problem is that there's no I guess no incentive. There's no real there's no real way for people that aren't licensed producers or aren't making the product to get in just to educate the people. Because um, basically the, the, the part that they're selling or the part that they're, uh, they're creating value on is the education on, on cannabis. And there's just, there's, there's so much to know um, and, and, and there's so much to, to be able to understand to be not only just a, a consumer of cannabis, but also um, in the business, obviously, of cannabis that we're talking about. Um, but there's really no incentive to sell that information. Like it's, it's hard to do that in the current environment. Um, and that's one that, like you said, the penalties from, from the produce, from the government are, are really high for the licensed producers. 
But if you're not a licensed producer, so if you're an intermediary or a service company or an ancillary company like like we are, um, you could like we can totally educate people all day long. But there really isn't a financial incentive for us to do that. Like we would just be you know selling our informa- selling information. Um, but the the way that the laws are written is that those, those intermediary companies can't even be uh, compensated for anything um, around the education piece by the people that are making their products. So it's almost like every angle that you go through to try and reach people on what the products are, how they're used, what is even the plant and, and where did it come from, um, it's sort of left up to the end user, the end person to figure it out on their own. Um, and that's something that, you know, it just hasn't been done really before. You know, like there's, there's always been a place to get base information on things that people have either gone to, like school or, you know, post-secondary or some sort of uh, where they've been given a base understanding of the things that are around us. And when new companies come out with a new product, they're allowed to d- discuss what they are and how they work and what are the benefits and why people would want to use them and, and give people an education on how they work. Like, you know, you think about the technology, like smartphones or Apple or iPhone. Like when that stuff was new, you had no idea what it was, why they would need it. And Apple was allowed to talk about what it was and why they were uh, selling it and why it was valuable and why people would want it. But in this day and age, that the way that the laws are written in Canada, you can't do that. So companies are the legal producers, the licensed producers, and even the, and even the retailers are really having, scratching their heads about how to give people a base understanding of what the, the cannabis plant can do for them as a consumer or, or other ways. Yeah, it would be really nice uh, to see uh, generic ads with just information about the cannabis plant and where you could go to find out more generic information about the cannabis plant, not about any particular strain or any particular LP, just, you know, parts of the plant and and certain things like that. But, uh, you know, that's uh, virtually non-existent except for independent. You know, we try to give as much information on this show as possible, but I, I like the idea of education you know this is botany you know why can't this be discussed as part of other plants uh in uh the the uh the education system across canada you're right and you know that i think is a huge massive opportunity and it's really to get getting a spotlight now that education has you know even our regular education system of schooling has gone online with covid um this is an opportunity to rethink how we discuss a lot of topics when children or anybody's in their own space so there's not really that opportunity to sort of, um, you know, cause harm because their parents are around or whatever. And there's an age gating there too, right? So I think that there's a massive opportunity to put that information into curriculum. And and the other thing is not just about the plant pieces, but also, I mean, there's this huge, you know, genetic side, the medicine, medical side, history. You know, cannabis is something that has a history that's the beginning of civilization. Like one of the things I found really interesting in my own discovery about the the plant is that it literally touches every aspect of the things that we do and use and know um, from like the historical aspect is that they found, you know, genetic uh, makeup of cannabis, cannabis fibers in the great wall of China. You know, you have to think that was like you know, thousands of years ago that that was constructed. Like what did they know about cannabis back then that we're not using now? And I think the opportunities for including it in industrial design and construction um, and conservation um, are just endless. I almost see that there's a possibility here that 
you could create an entire curriculum from K to PhD level where you're just learning about all of the ways that this plant could be used for different things. 100%. And no one has done that yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it, 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 well, hopefully it evolves as, as a lot of things are. Uh, through legalization. We're speaking with Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. This is the business of cannabis on the Cannabis 101 podcast. You can find more information at www.greengencompany.com. Let's talk change makers. And this is a company that I'm uh, familiar with. I've had uh, an owner and a manager of the store on this program, and it's Spirit Leaf, uh, the retailer of cannabis. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about them. I mean, this is a, a retailer that, that I think is sort of, you know, um, doing a little bit of, a, of an older model for retailing, but it's working really well for them. So why, uh, what they're doing differently or that's, uh, that's an older model is the proven model of franchising. So um, franchising is obviously something that, you know, is just in many different formats and ways of business. Um, but Spearless is particularly good at because they had a, a franchise of the Watch It brand for 20 years. I mean, Darren Vonder was the, the franchise king crowned by the franchise, uh, you know, industry magazine in Canada. And so he really uh, knows franchising super well. And they were able to get fairly, this is actually the only franchise chain, the cannabis chain that's part of the franchise network, I believe, or the franchise association. So they've been recognized because the way that they've built out their platform and their stores and I think it's a 46 now, and I understand from talking to the management teams that they're going to be close to 80 by the end of 2020. So they were able to create a bit a model and, you know, really able to replicate that, to, and that's huge in branding. So the recognition for their brand of Fearless, um is highly visible across the country, and, and they're in almost every province. And um, there are a few... Um, Franchise, I don't think there's any other franchise models in the cannabis sector on the retail side. There's lots of brands that have multiple stores, like your friend uh, from Nova Cannabis is on there. Uh, they, yeah, they have stores, but they're corporate stores, if I understand, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah they're corporate, so this- uh, Fire and Flower, yeah. Plant Life, uh, all most of the uh, most of the stores that you see uh, repeated in different cities are corporate, other than uh, Spirit Leaf. I don't, I, I believe you're correct. I don't know of another model out there in the cannabis sector that is uh, similar to them. And you know what's cool about the franchise model in cannabis is their franchises are owned by local right. people, like right. they're, like they're, you know, their stores in other part, like in the in the Okanagan and, and in Ontario. Like in Kingston, like their, their franchises are owned by local people. So that really brings that community aspect into the store. You know, it's not just some big chain coming to take over. These are local owners and operators. They're hiring their local staff. They're no, knowledgeable of the local community and what people like and don't like. And there can be, they can be really customer focused because their customers are their friends and neighbors. And I think that community spirit uh, really embodies what Spirit was doing and it's a made in Canada brand. So I just wanted to focus on them because I think that they're doing super well uh, with that, with that model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, it's a, a franchise model where, you know, when you go into a different spirit leaf, there's a, a you know, a similar vibe, but also that, uh, that, that local owner is able to put a little bit of their, their spin on things as well. So you, you get the general spirit leaf vibe and then that local community vibe. And, uh, you know, you can uh, order online uh, with uh, spirit leaf, like uh, a lot of the other places. So right now people 
people want to be in and out and you want to you know protect the uh, the the bud tenders that are working at the tills so uh, you can uh, get your stuff online and pick it up and be in and out uh, just like we want to be right now or we have to be right now during uh, COVID-19. Exactly. Okay, let's move on to what it means to be green. And today we're talking about greening the supply chain. And and this is something that I think is, you know, getting a lot of focus in business in general right now uh, in Canada, and particularly can uh, can be uh, the cannabis industry is is kind of following suit as well. Yeah, and this, this is the ethos of my company. Um, you know, when I started my business, um, I was actually had nothing to do with cannabis. I think I spoke about that in my first episode. It was all about really about the renewable energy sector, but it, it's kind of come full circle um, because in learning about that side of things uh, and also being in Alberta and being from the oil and gas side of things, and then learning about all of the opportunities of cannabis that have really not yet been fully uncovered, there are so many ways where um, the parts and, and different aspects of the cannabis plant could be used as inputs to replace raw materials and raw goods that are currently um, made right now with plastics or with petrochemicals uh, to replace paper, anything. So what I'm what I talk about in green the supply chain um, is the conversation that we have with um, in my webinar on business resiliency and tactical ways to keep your business moving forward in the times of COVID, you know, we found that so many businesses, their products and their supply chain was based in China. That was where their products were made because it was always the cheapest. But now that our global supply chain is sort of has been interrupted um, and that this consistency and the flow and the timeliness of, of goods being manufactured overseas, um, it's really not as secure anymore, and we're really starting to see that. And not only from a time and distance perspective, but also from political control. Um, we're able to see now that there are company, countries like China, for example, that we're hearing that are very um, being very protective of their own country first before exporting goods. And we're seeing this in a lot of places. I mean, the U.S. has been talking about it for, for a long time. And it's been seen as a negative, and, and I understand why. But I think it, if you think about it, um, in greening the supply chain within Canada, we have so many Canadian-made products that have a greener footprint, so to speak, than some of these goods that are coming from a lot farther away. So I'm asking my clients and, and customers to really think about when looking about how you're going to put things back on the shelf or how you're going to get your business going again in COVID. Um, you know, the, the lowest cost item that you previously had that did lots of things or you obviously are, are were stocking or using in your business, maybe it's the time to look at where can I get that that's maybe greener or less than a carbon footprint or less than a kilometer away from your customer or from you. And that's what I mean about greening the supply chain is really look at how you can make a, a move to be do things better for the environment and for your business by bringing them closer and by making them out of materials that are more sustainable and more great. Yeah, it's uh, it's part of the five W's, the where and the what. You know, what's in it and where is it made are, you know, are two questions that 
I think a lot of people right now are starting to ask and uh, saying, okay, well, let's order from, um, I'm just going to say Prince George instead of China. And uh, like you said, uh, limiting our footprint, uh, keeping business in Canada and knowing what's uh, particularly in it are, are, are should be two questions right now, as obviously prices is, is uh, you know, going to depend uh, for a lot of people. But, uh, you know, I think in this new world, we have to start asking where and, and what, uh, as well as uh, how much. Yeah. And I mean, if it's, if you can't get it, it's super cheap, but you can't get it, then you just kind of got to cross it off the list. Like, if right. you, like you, it's, not, it's not available. Cause, and even if it's cheap, right. So, so that's why I think that this conversation has really opened up people's eyes. It's like, well, wait, maybe I should rethink this a little bit. Um, and that just, I think, you know, one of the things I think of is like, you know, if you're in the city, right. Like if you're, we're, we're in Alberta here, but if you're in the city, could you get what you needed, um, within a hundred kilometers? Um, and one of the best examples, and I'll, I'll leave you with the final thought is, you know, your food supplies, like restaurants. Right. Now I know you, uh, you've interviewed, uh, the Stuart Farms people, but the whole deep water, uh, uh the whole aquaponics world is really just getting going in, in Canada. And that has a lot to do both with cannabis and with within 100 kilometers and greening the supply chain. Uh, because maybe you can get your fish um, and your greens and other vegetables from within 100 kilometers. Well, well, where would you go to find that? And, and that's what I'm, I'm doing with my clients is helping them think in that way to bring farm to table fresh food for their restaurants that doesn't involve crossing borders or promotion. And that's something that is, is, is ultimately the, the answer to breeding that supply chain that really improves everybody uh, in the long run. Wonderful stuff. Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. joins me every week for the business of cannabis here on the Cannabis 101 podcast. Stay dry this week, Malka. I think it's going to be a wet one here yeah. in Alberta uh, with some rain, uh, but that will just make things green and uh, growing afterwards. We'll chat next week. Thank you.